Continuing on in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 still, we'll be here for a while. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 we'd like to look at today, with the Lord's help. As I was considering these... uh, these verses in context of the book of Ephesians, the letter that Paul wrote to the churches. Paul is making a, this is part of his hymn of praise that begins this letter. And he seems to be um, wanting to remind the believers of this young church. Uh, again, remembering this is only about 30 years uh that the church would have been established. So this would have been about 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. The church, by all stretches, or by all measurements, would be in its infancy. And Paul wants to speak to them about what does it mean to live in this new covenant in Christ. And rather than starting with, this is what you need to do, and this is why you need to do it, he starts the other way around. He says, look at who we are. Look at the incredible spiritual blessings that we have. And then following that, he's going to go into the, in a sense, the application in starting in chapter 4. If these things are true, if our hearts really can settle on these truths that have been uh, expounded on in the first three chapters, then this is how we ought to respond. So, and especially here in this these uh, group of verses at the beginning of chapter 1, uh, this, these themes that are being uh, expressed or these blessings that we're hearing here uh, and looking at, um, we see the relevance of these truths in how we ought to conduct ourselves, how we ought to live our lives. Uh, and we'll see that explained later on in the, uh, the letter. So, <clears throat> as I was thinking about that, just putting that in the context, it occurred to me, um, this was not just written for the, the early church, but this is written for us today, for those who would learn and hear the teaching of the apostles. Um, and in a sense, I, I, I started to think, you know, of course we think about the times we live in. And I, I remember just recently I read, somebody used the phrase, the gift of 2020, Almost as if we need to look at this year and everything that's happened in this year as a gift. And I, I thought about that briefly and I thought to myself, in a way it has been a gift for me. Because it's shaken me. It's shaken me forward and shaken me free of all those things that have held on to me or that have come in and wanted to become more important than they ought to. The things that I had maybe started to put my security in have been shaken. And yet, we have these incredible promises. Promises that are not dependent on economics. Promises that are not dependent upon which government is in power. Which medical professional or organization has weighed in on anything. These promises have been given to us and have been established in heavenly places. 
And as we come to understand what that means, especially as I, I, I love so much the, the scripture in Revelation 4 and 5 chapters, we see where, where these promises have been secured and guaranteed and who holds these things. And that has given me such an incredible uh, a calm and a peace because I know that nothing will shake these promises. And if these promises are true, then... Of all people, we are the most fortunate. Verse 5 reads this, Having predestined us, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. <clears throat> so Paul is speaking here of adoption. He's telling the, the, the believers that you have been adopted. And he begins by saying, having predestined us, which simply means to predetermine, to decide beforehand. Um, and if we look at verse 4, we see that this was not a, um, as an afterthought. It was not like, oh, the, the um, Mosaic Covenant was an experiment and it kind of flubbed. You know, the law was good, but, you know, because of the weakness of the flesh, it, it didn't work. So like, oh, we got plan B. No, no, no. This is not the case. This was predestined. This was, um, we have been predestined. We have been thought, God has thought of this beforehand and he has uh, determined beforehand. And it says in verse four, uh, before the foundations of the world, this was already all decided. And so, and we'll see that in Galatians as well, uh, when it speaks of the fullness of time has come to be. There is, there's a certain, uh, uh, feel here for sure, a, a truth that comes out that this has been planned and that this is not a mistake. This is extremely, uh, very, very intentional. There is no, um, uh, plan B's. There's no, uh, course correction or altering something here because of, uh, you know, the, the battle that rages or something like that. Everything is going exactly as the Lord has planned it. He says here, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Let's, what does it mean to be adopted? Now we all understand, and I think in a, a sense, what adoption means. Adoption, uh, we think of, 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 of parent adopting a child, right? Um, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. <clears throat> Noah Webster writes uh, in his 1828 uh, uh, dictionary, to take a stranger into one's family as son and heir, to take one who is not a child and treat him as one, giving him a title to the privilege and rights of a child. So taking into your family uh, one who is not yours uh, and to make them yours. In a spiritual sense, to receive the sinful children of men into the visible church and into God's favor and protection by which they become heirs of salvation by Christ. So speaking to the church, this is how we would understand uh, the idea of adoption um, as it says here, as adoption of children by Jesus Christ. So it, to receive sinful and uh, sinful children of men into the invisible church and into God's favor and protection. Paul is telling the church that God has made you his child. And this is a theme that is uh, uh, 
All through the Old Testament, we see uh, that the children of Israel were called his children and that he was uh, identifying himself as their father. So this was not, uh, maybe we don't realize that this is a, a adoption terms that he's, he's using here or that the, uh, the prophets and the writers were using. They were identifying that God had taken this nation of Israel and he said, you are mine. I'm going to make you mine and I'm going to treat you as heirs, as my children. And I'm going to endow you or uh, give to you the rights of my child, my children. Now we see that very much in the Old Testament language. God is their father and they are his children. Um, in Galatians uh, verse 4, we see this um, very much uh, brought out. Um, using very much the same language. So Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 8 say this, but when the fullness of time was come, again, this is pointing to a very deliberate and determined plan. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So when it says here in verse 5 that we have, he has uh, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, Galatians, his writing here to the Galatians is, um, is expanding on what it means to be adopted by Jesus Christ or through Jesus Christ. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Uh, Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 8, also repeats some of these similar themes. He says in verse 15, For ye have not received the bondage, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we see the heart of God here. He wants to give us the spiritual blessing of adoption. What an incredible incredible gift that he has given us. He has taken, uh, or he has said to uh, the people, he has reached out to the people, and we'll see this uh, developed in the next verse as well, but he has reached out to the people, and he has said, having no connection to them before, in any sort of uh, heritage or lineage of any sort, he says, I want you to be mine. I want you to be my children my son, my daughter. And as a result, I'm going to give you all the blessings that come with that. Now, isn't that incredible? Would you not say that that's incredible? Maybe we take it for granted, though. I suspect that we take it for granted, because I know I certainly have, before I really try to uh, dig into this and... and, uh, unwrap what it means to have adoption, or to be adopted, rather, um, I've taken this for granted. To think that God has pursued me, he's reached out, 
And through Christ Jesus, through what Christ has done, and what Christ has availed through his death and resurrection, he says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And I'm going to give you everything that it means. Think of the prodigal son when he came home. Right, you know, and he, he stands before the Father and he confesses his sin. He, clearly he's repented and, and he asks for this forgiveness. And the Father, he makes him the full son. Right then and there. Right outside the city. He bestows upon him, again, this son which was his, which was alive, or which was dead rather, and now is alive. He makes him a son. And we know what he does, Right? He covers him. He gives him the sign of the family. He makes the feast and so on. And this is what God has ordained from before the foundations of the world that in Christ, he wants to treat you like a child, his child. And again, if we don't have a good understanding of who God is, then that's, that can roll off our back. No problem. Or that can, we can miss that fact or that point, how significant that is. But that is an incredible, incredible spiritual blessing. It says in uh, the rest of the verse, according to the good pleasure of his will. So according being in accordance with. So these things that he has done have been in accordance with the good pleasure of his will. Now, interestingly enough, when it talks about the good pleasure of his will, it's speaking of his will, his choice, um, the kindly intent um, the benevolence that he would have, um, so the good pleasure of his will, and then similarly his will. Now this is not, as I originally assumed, that this was talking about his specific stated will. This is re- uh, referencing more the abstract of his will, saying whatever he wants. So this is done in accordance with um, whatever he chooses, the kindly intent of his heart, and however he chooses to express that. So we have been adopted through Jesus Christ in accordance with the heart of God, however he chooses to express that. However he chooses to, whatever his kind and benevolent heart wills to happen. That is how he is uh, chosen. He is not chosen on any other criteria than what his desire is and what his heart is his kindly intent, the benevolence that he has, whatever he chooses. And, and I think we need to recognize uh, the significance of this. And the significance is this, that God does the choosing. That this is not some magical formula that, you know, we have to do uh, this many things or that we have to be of this sort of pedigree in order for God to choose us. But this is solely and completely a act of the will of God, his choice in choosing. That he wants. It was initiated by God, not by man. So we can never... Uh, uh, in a sense, earn this adoption. We can never uh, promote ourselves before God and say, look at me, look at who I am, look at what I've done, and, and then win God's favor. The adoption through Jesus Christ comes in accordance with exactly what he wants to choose. The, the, the choice that flows from the heart of God, the good pleasure of God. We have been given this amazing spiritual blessing 
And it was all been given and initiated by the heart of God. And then Paul says in verse 6, To the praise of the glory of his grace. So, to the praise, so to the, to the exaltation, to the, uh, to the uh, shining forth of the glory of his grace. So what does it mean, the glory, the kingly majesty? Um, so as accords to his divine uh, per- perfection. So we're talking now the glory of his grace. And uh, so the majesty of his grace, the quality or state of a thing which inspires awe or reverence in the beholder. So we have this uh, notion in the end of of, uh, verse 5 that it says, however God chooses, that this is in accordance with the heart of God, with his choice. And and then we see um, that Paul praises God. And and this is all done so that we can uh, have a better picture, so that the world can have this better picture of the glory of God's grace, the majesty of grace, the, the thing about the grace that inspires awe within us. What is it about grace that inspires awe within us? Are we in awe? Do we call God's grace awesome? Does it fill us with awe? Well, what is God's grace? So this goodwill, loving kindness, the favor of God, kindness which bestows upon one what he does not deserve. So Grace is the um, the loving kindness, the favor that God gives to humanity, uh, but it's not something that we deserve. Again, pointing to not us being the earners or the um, the the ones who rightly deserve grace, but it's this kindly favor that God gives to us um, that is not deserved. Uh, the Greek lexicon says, but the New Testament writers use uh, this uh, phrase preeminently of that kindness by which God bestows favor upon, even upon the ill-deserving and grants to sinners the pardon of their offenses and bids them accept eternal salvation through Christ. So God, through grace, this kind, um, this loving kindness, uh, this love that he has for us gives us something that we don't deserve. And, and Paul wants us to stand back and, and to recognize that this spiritual blessing of, of adoption, this process by which God takes us and, and makes us his children, is, um, should inspire awe in us. Because he has given us something that we don't deserve. He has made us something. Um, or he's given us this incredible spiritual blessing. Um, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Uh, again, wherein and this word in. They talk about our position in Christ. Through Christ. Um, in Christ. Uh, God has pursued us. Uh, this word, he hath made us, uh, is uh, the same word as accepted, but in two different usages. So the he hath made us, he has pursued us with grace. And this is the part of, of God that, that always amazes me, is that God didn't stand back and, and wait for people to come to him and say, Oh, please, you know, make me one of your servants. God, like the father in the prodigal son, pursued, and he pursues us. 
He pursues us with grace. And what's the end result is that we become accepted in the beloved who is Christ, that we become agreeable, that we become lovely. And similarly to the call on our lives to become holy, it is not the work that you have to do, but it is, it is the work that God does through, uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the truth of the word, that we become holy, that we become sanctified, we, we become pure. And, and similarly, God here is saying that I am pursuing you in grace so that you become acceptable in Christ, in the beloved. I am pursuing you. I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I, I'm offering to you the, the blessing of, of, of being my child, my son, my daughter. What an incredible spiritual blessing that we have here. I'm, I don't want to go much longer here because we have a shortened service, but uh, how do, when we think about adoption, um, think about, uh, you know, the, we see that certain uh, examples about us, uh, godly examples even within our church, uh, and great examples of how this is a display of, of the, um, the character of God, what, what's in God's heart. And, and I think about um, a few things here. It's extremely costly. Um, I don't know what what it costs nowadays to adopt, but I know that it in in certain locales it's extremely costly, uh, and it's actually almost prohibitive at times. And yet God Himself paid a high price to redeem us. He paid an extremely high price because He wanted to make you His child. We are adopted, and one of the benefits of, of adoption, or one of the, the, the blessings of adoption is that a certain, or there's uh, oftentimes uh, a, a terrible circumstances from which a person is coming, and they have no hope. And here, we, uh, having been lost in sin, having no hope, that we ourselves could do nothing. God says, I want to adopt you and I want to give you hope. I want to give you belonging. I want to uh, uh, put my character in you. I want my spirit to dwell within you. He wants to give us that uh, special blessing of his Holy Spirit, that, that signifier that you are part of my family, that transformation then that comes with that, and, and the uh, belonging that we have, that we who were orphans or we who were lost now can become his child, that we can belong. And I just want to finish, uh, I, I wish I could go on about this, um, because I, I feel like I'm, I'm just rushing here too much. It's such a, a deep subject that we could have. But I want to just reference back to what we read in, in um, Romans and in Galatians, and, and where it says uh, that we, through the Spirit, can cry, Abba, Father, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, what is it? Why does he say Abba, Father? And and there, there was a a stream of, a stream of thought. And it's, it's an old stream of thought that, that this is a, is, is, um, another way of saying daddy, my daddy. But that's actually not accurate. Because the word Abba is a Aramaic word, and it's actually a formal word. Um, it's a, a very sacred name that is given to God. And so Abba is not Daddy. Abba is actually the, almost the opposite, where it's, it's a very sacred name, and it's a very formal name. But the, the word for Father in Greek is a different word. It's pater, and it's of <clears throat> it speaks of 
a, a, a familiarity maybe, or, or, or a change in how we address the Father. And speaking of Christians as those who through Christ have, who have been exalted to a specially close and intimate relationship with God and who no longer dread Him as a stern judge of sinners, but revere Him as their reconciled and loving Father. This was from the Greek lexicon. And so we have here this idea that no longer are we going to approach God and, and, and only as the creator and the, uh, the omnipotent and, and all, all knowing and, and all present God who we should rightly, uh, fear and reverence. But as we become adopted, that changes. And so in, in the same phrase or in the same breath, we say, Abba, I recognize who you are and, and the greatness and the glory you, of, of your name and of, of who you, your existence. And at the same time, I call you father, father, my father, so that I'm no longer a, a somebody who stands outside, but I'm now one of the family. I'm one who can, in a sense, uh, picture you crawl up on your father's lap. And you, you, you sit close to him. This is what it means to become adopted. That no longer do we, do we stand back and, and just look at him as this un, unapproachable uh, God who, the creator of the universe just by his own voice. And now instead though, I can also call him my father. Father, my father. I have no fear of, of judgment anymore. I have no fear of that rejection or, or that turning away. And, and, but I'm one of his now. What a spiritual blessing we have been given, men and women. That we have been taken into his family. That we have been adopted. And now we too can, in a sense, cling to our father and say, Abba, Father. Father, my Father. What an incredible blessing. It's so deep and meaningful to me. And I, I pray that the Lord would also help us, each of us, you, to uh, appreciate what it means that no longer do, do we have to just stand on the outside, but now we are part of the family. And that through Christ, in Christ, we can be part of the household, the family of God. Amen.